are listening to Cerveza Escucha, Seen and Heard, a podcast for queer people, black people, copy editors, language nerds, and much more. Cerveza Escucha is a project of the Center for Participatory Change. I am your host, Ada Volkmer, and this is it, season two. This is the first episode of our new season. Um, in the last season, you heard us talk a lot about Asheville, about Western North Carolina, about CPC. And this season, season two, we're going to focus a little bit more about opening up. So opening up geographically, but also continuing to explore what language justice means in that broader sense. Um, we know that language justice is about people having full access. We know it's about interpretation, translation, creating multilingual spaces, balancing power dynamics. Um, but I also feel strongly that it has to be more than that. And so that is why I am so excited to kick off this season. I am a super fan. Maybe you will be a super fan too. Um, but I am so excited to have our first guest, which is Cantrice from Queer Black Editing. Welcome, Cantrice. Thank you so much, Ada. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this truly is a pleasure and an honor to be here. Really, truly. Thank you so much. So we met, this is like one of like these Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those Instagram stories where I think that's how we like first started connecting. Uh, it was like a lot of likes and a lot of re resharing and stuff like that. Um, so I'll say that it really, like so much of the stuff that you were posting and sharing about your work, about queer black editing, I felt it was so resonant with kind of language justice. And you put that out there like right away, like copy editing with a language justice lens. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that means to you? And can you tell us a little bit more about queer black editing? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, first, just to explain a little bit about uh, queer black editing, we are an editing business uh, that operates through a holistic, ever evolving social justice lens. And that piece ever evolving is really important because um, we always want to note that that's always changing, you know, that it's. It's something that's um, in constant flux and, um, oh, you know, we're always learning and always trying to improve in, in any way that we can. Uh, Queer Black Editing was birthed in the fall equinox of 2017. Uh, so we're relatively new still. Um, we offer copy editing, proofreading and localization services for primarily those who have some sort of political or radical analysis or who are building upon one. Um, or, you know, folks who are just open, you know, so, um, and I would say that, um, our everyday editing process is informed by, uh, ancestral femme energies, sort of, you know, the, the dark black infinite vastness of the multiverse, uh, resistive real regiolex and the percussive unspoken, you know, I think, um, Sometimes what is unspoken gets left out of conversation around language and words and editing. Uh, and of course, old school R&B. I have to just chat that out, right? Because, you know, 80s R&B is everything. Um, so just just got to name that, particularly that 808 beat. Um, yeah. And in terms of the, the lens that we use, I would say um, I think it shows up in the form of a descriptivist approach to language. 
Um, and descriptivist is like basically a fancy term that was picked up in sort of editing school, which basically means that it's a more of a community based approach to language. So it's language shaped by the people versus prescriptivist, which is basically like, you know, sort of the authoritative language that is, um, you know, sort of, um, you know, that you learn in the dictionary or that your teacher is like, this is what's correct. And kind of the lens that we use in copy editing too. Um, and so uh, basically sort of the framework that we use is that we honor language birthed in community, um, language spoken at home, language that your ancestors spoke, you know, so this is about, you know, for example, in English, um, you know, one of the first things you learn if you're uh, an editor, a copy editor um, is in particular is to italicize in, in English language text to italicize non-English words. And that's something that QB, queer black editing, we're not about. Um, you know, not, for example, not italicizing Spanish language words in a predominantly English language text. Um, you know, that's othering. You know, it's like, why is there a need to italicize those words? Um, <clears throat> so that's sort of like a way that, um, you know, in terms of being sort of resistive, just those little tiny, tiny, uh, tiny, um, yeah, those tiny ways that we sort of go about language and also flagging language that doesn't belong to uh, you or your people. So, uh, for example, like if there is language and this is within English, even like if there's language that is sort of being used in a way that is calling in a particular group of uh, folks, um, but the group using that language doesn't belong to that particular group that can be a problem, you know, so flagging just, you know, very gently saying, you know, oh, you know, this is not, uh, you know, is this, this is not the language that is spoken in your community. So maybe let's reframe that, that type of thing, which has totally happened, you know, but then that's the thing. It's a collaborative process. It's not a shamey, you know, gross, you know, type of, type of thing. So, um, yeah. And, and also allowing the writer Another piece of this, too, is allowing the writer uh, to also guide the process. So instead of going back and forth with writers on like, you know, should this be a semicolon or an M dash, you know, um, you know, queer black editing is about the bigger picture. You know, who is authoring these words? You know, what kind of impact will this piece make in the world after this collaboration? You know, and, and again, how can queer black editing always uh uh, you know, sort of keep improving and, and keep getting better at what we do. Um, and, and the other piece I would note is also prioritizing the voice, um, uh, you know, of, of multiply marginalized folks in particular that trump any kind of quote unquote standard style guide or dictionary. You know, my grandmother, you know, she is now 90 years earth side. <laughs> Um, you know, she was a domestic, you know, cleaning up after white families and their kids, you know, in the 1950s and 60s in central Virginia, you know, being a single parent and raising two children in the city, you know, and just it's really interesting, like how she comes up with new ways to enunciate and delete and subtract syllables. You know, her words carry all of those histories, you know. Um, you know, that to me is sacred and it's, it's to be honored. So it's like, you know, yeah, just, just certain vocabulary that I would not have known about had it not been for my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, just, yeah, very, just really 
interesting and also just, uh, yeah, sacred. I think when we first met, um, you said something about being multilingual. And so I wanted to ask you if you'd tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so uh, I am, let's see, I speak um, Southeastern U.S. English. Um, and I know that's a broad term, uh, specifically uh, Central Virginia, uh, I guess now Central North Carolina, uh, African-American English. Um, some people call it Black vernacular. Some people call it AAVE. And that actually was my first language. So my father, that he only speaks AAVE or AAE. And I think some, people, some folks call it now. Um, and then my mother code switches between AAVE or AAE and uh quote unquote, standard U.S. English. I know it's like a problematic term. <laughs> um, I know like all this navigation around language. Um, yeah. And so it's it, and also French. So you're Central European French. And I say Central European again. I know that's broad. Um, but I learned French in school, lived in France briefly uh, in Central France for a little while. And so those are the main languages that I speak in terms of like a you know, sort of like uh, word-based, you know, language, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so those are the languages that I... And one quick note, by the way, with AAVE and French, um, some folks may know this, but it's interesting that when I started studying, well, not well, actually later in my adult life, uh, really looking and digging deep into French, um, not knowing until later that AAVE and French actually have the same exact, pretty much the same exact structure. Um, the, the, the grammatical structure is like the same. So the du double negatives, triple negatives, they're, they're actually quite similar. And not to say that like, you know, a European language legitimizes, uh, you know, like a African diasporic language, but just saying that like, I just thought that was interesting. It's they almost mirror each other. Whereas like, English, quote unquote, standard English and French don't, which is interesting. Yeah. I really appreciate what you say about like the different Englishes that you speak. Um, and that's one of the things that I feel like uh, very connected to like your work. Um, one of the things that as interpreters, um, one of the things that we have done in the past is, you know, you get a gig, you walk into a room you explain what you're doing there. You explain how the interpretation equipment works. And usually we say, you know, we're here to interpret between Spanish and English and English and Spanish. Please, if you speak Spanglish, don't speak Spanglish because as an interpreter, it's very difficult to, to do that. Um, and as, as we've done this work, um, and, and for me, just wanting everyone to, fee to see themselves reflected in language justice. And that it's not like a Latino thing, a Spanish thing. Um, I want everyone, when the interpreter stands in the room, I want everyone to have a moment to be like, I can relate to that. And so now when I go in front of a room and I introduce the interpretation equipment, I'm like, we welcome your Southern English. We welcome your Black English. We welcome your North Carolina Spanish. We welcome your Peruvian, Colombian, Puerto Rican Spanish. We welcome your you know, country accents, your Northern accents. And just to, and just to see how people, instead of closing off, like open, open themselves up. And so to, to be a little bit more open and creative about the ways that we talk about how we speak, I think that's really powerful. And I think that that's one way to kind of make more people, um, 
see themselves reflected in this language justice movement. Um, so I, I want to ask you, um, I've seen before, you're very good at the infographics. Um, so I wanted to ask you about, there, I saw an infographic that said, like, we uh, copy edit English, like U.S. English. We do not copy edit um, Caribbean English. Um, so can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah, that, and it's funny you you named that because I was looking at that the other day and I was like, yeah, still true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no, but it's, I think it's important because, um, yeah, we're very clear that it's U.S. English and that's because that is the, in terms of English, that's the English that we know. Um, we're, you know, really big into, um doing what you know you know caribbean english is not a language i grew up with um australian british not even canadian english i mean sure i know a few things but like that's not my sort of everyday that's not my lived experience um you know that's not the lived experience of queer black editing at all so um just wanting to root ourselves in like the knowledge that we do have that is lived that's beautiful <laughs> um so I guess this is the part of the podcast where I'll ask you to share what you want about yourself. Um, and that can include like how you got to queer black editing. Um, so yeah, tell us about yourself. So yeah, uh, I uh, go by she, her, they, them pronouns myself, Cantrice Janelle. Um, I'm a queer, black, non-binary, enabled, documented woman with an X. Just want to name that. <laughs> um, born and raised around the Palatine river in Shakahawken of Turtle Island, which is today known as the James River in Richmond, Virginia, um, of course, in, the, in the, the South. And besides being an editor, I'm also uh, somewhat of a writer, uh, a budding aromatherapist. That's been fun. Uh, I really enjoy that. There's something very, for me, tactile, but also soothing, like working with oils and working with... Um, yeah, sort of like the oils uh, distilled from plants. That's been really like curative. Uh, is that an English word? I don't know. <laughs> healing. Yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that's been very very healing for me. And I'm vegan. I don't know. <laughs> people want to know that, but <laughs> yeah, vegan too. And um, yeah, in terms of queer black editing, in terms of like how it came about, it was created. To be honest, out of frustration around you know, sort of the confines of the English language and also, you know, wanting to honor my people. And when I say my people, I mean, you know, everyone from my ancestors whose language won't know dictionary, you know what I mean? Um, to those who I've never met, you know, who may feel that the ways the English is used, particularly in the United States, continues to harm or erase their very existence, you know? So I feel like that that's, that's pretty much how queer black editing came about. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you about um, some of your practices. So you're doing this work, and I, I think you're doing it with not just all of yourself, but you've told me before, like with myself and my, and my ancestors. Um, so I know that you also um, view this, like you said, with like a holistic approach. I know that, I, that you have like some practices, yes, uh, with the aromatherapy or like other practices. So how is that part of your copy editing work? 
Oh, that's a great question, Ada. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, meditation, first of all. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Start off every single day with meditation. Um, that is just, it just sets the tone, of course, for the whole day. And also, you know, literally it just allows, um, you know, allows me to breathe. Um, yeah. And so then um, I would say in terms of like, you know, just knowing that pretty much every day there is, you know, lots of work to be done. Just making sure that that work is flanked with lots of walks outside, you know, just being grounded and getting grounded in nature. That's super important. Um, you know, and, and, and not even just being in nature, but like really like just be like appreciating nature. I think like on Instagram the other day, like I posted like on my personal account, I think I posted something like it was like a moth. It, it was a rosy maple and it was like pink and yellow moth. I had never seen a moth like that before, you know, just I landed on the door and I was just like, wow, just in awe, just the beauty. Just so, you know, just sort of. I guess in a way getting lost in in nature. Um, so I wanted to ask you um, what your process is like. So someone wants to work with queer black editing, what would they do? Oh, yes. If, uh, yes, if folks want to work with queer, queer black editing, um, you can go to our website. It's a queerblackediting.com uh, slash contact. And there's a contact form. Uh, and so, yeah. And then from there, we have an automatically it's built into the, the services, a free consultation. And then we take it from there. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to uh, share with the CBS Escucha listeners? Oh, my gosh. Just yeah, just I guess, you know, this is something that we talk about a lot at Queer Black Editing, which is keep telling your truth, you know, keep telling your truth. Be truthful to your, yourself, your stories, your histories, uh, your cultures, all of that. Um, that's, again, just at the core, not only at Queer Black Editing, but that's really hopefully what we all can do um, without having to face harm and erasure. So, yeah, and just keep telling your stories, keep telling your truth. Well, I want to, I want to thank you. I want to just thank you for your work. Thank you for like being a compa, being a like a fan of the of the podcast. Yeah, and I'm I'm so happy to have you here, and I'm so happy to have like your voice as like the first voice that we hear in this new in this new season. So thank you very much. If you are listening to this episode and you have asked yourself where is Andrea Golden, please make sure to check out our last minisode where you find a little bit more about Golden, what she's doing. Um, we are comadres. We are co-conspirators. We are just not co-hosts of the podcasts. Um, so check out the last minisode to find out more. Countries, muchísimas gracias. On behalf of the Center for Participatory Change, I'm Ada Volkmer. Lionel is doing the editing. Thank you all for listening. Remember, like, follow, review, rate, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Music by Combo Chimbita. Thank you.